Good morning. Welcome to the Center for Spiritual Living. I know you've already been greeted, but uh, I come to you this morning with a very grateful heart and, and delighted to be part of this community. And so I'm going to invite you to, as I sound the gong, drop down into some silence for a moment. And I'm going to speak about that practice and how Dr. Holmes uh, used that as one of the cornerstones of what we represent. And it's so simple and yet so poignant. And I'm so grateful for the, what has guided me here today with you and what is my opportunity to, to serve. This is such a, a, a joyful opportunity to serve in this. The love that is circulating through me right now is, uh, uh, I hope that I can share that with you. And so I'm going to sound our gong. I'll be quiet, sing a song, and we'll say an affirmative prayer. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very recognize in the first person there's one activity, one life, one power, one presence that is in and through and as all of material form. We are immersed in it and it is immersed within us. And so in this beautiful and simple directing of our awareness to our heart, to our soul, to that inner life, we activate something, we open something. And in this opening, what I affirm and know and invite you to share this idea with me is that I accept my divine inheritance in this moment. That I am not in any way, shape, or form broken. That I did not come here to suffer. But in fact, to give life in my own beautiful, unique way, as Katie just sang to us. Every life is different. But every life is filled with gifts and possibility. As Dr. Holmes so beautifully articulated, our divine inheritance is one of happiness. I breathe in in this moment and activate a deep sense of happiness in my being. Health, once again with the next breath. Breathing it in and breathing it out. Breathing in the health. Breathing out anything unlike health. I breathe in abundance. 
the next breath. I breathe out anything that restricts my experience of abundance. This moment is abundant. And so knowing that I'm using my mind, my consciousness and awareness in a new way, for I've never breathed in health, happiness and abundance in this moment before in this way. I create new pathways in my brain, both left and right side working together, creating those new pathways, a possibility, opportunity. And so I just give thanks this day for this beautiful teaching, for the consciousness that we stand upon, the consciousness upon the words, upon that which we are about this day. Knowing that each and every one of us is blessed beyond measure, that a seed has been planted in the fertile soil of possibility as a result of our taking a moment to remind ourselves who we are and what our opportunity is and to use our mind and our awareness in a, in a creative, powerful, and an and unbroken connection with the truth of our being. And so I just stand in eager anticipation with you of the greater yet to be, knowing that it is already done in the mind of God and that the invitation has been made. For this I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. All righty. Wow, what a great day. Great, great day. So I'm going to invite you to stand up and find someone that you're comfortable interacting with. And perhaps if you're not comfortable interacting with anybody, then whoever you find will be perfect. But anyway, we'll, this, will be, this will be quite delightful. Bring some joy to this. And to be able to look that person in the eyes and say, let us activate it with our words. Look them in the eye and say, I am health. I am happiness. I am abundance. And now we know it for them. You are health. You are happiness. You are abundance. Thank you for knowing this for me. And so it is. Beautiful. I had the delight of traveling to Denver on Thursday and participating in an ordination at the Mile High Church for uh, Reverend Dr. David Goldberg. He asked me to be there and read the Declaration of Principles, and it was such an honor. And um, got to meet uh, Reverend Temple Hayes from St. Petersburg, Florida. I sat next to her, and she spoke, and I had an opportunity to, to participate in a meaningful way. So it was delightful, and it was so wonderful to dip into that. My experience every time I go there is one of just immense unconditional love. And it reminds me of such a beautiful opportunity that we have each and every time we come together. And to be greeted with such love and support is just, uh, it's so, it's so re renewing. And so on the way back, a, a young man got on the plane and sat next to me. And as he sat down, he grabbed the seat in front of him and held on. And he had his eyes closed, and I said, are you okay? After about 15 minutes of this, I thought maybe it was a temporary position, but obviously he was going to fly to Edmonton in that position. And I said, is there something that I can do to help? And he said, these big planes go down all the time. <laughs> I said, really? He says, oh, yeah, and they, they never reported on the news. They never reported on the news. <laughs> And I said, well, you know, one of my teachers, I said that uh, has really influenced my life, he used to always say this about an airplane ride. And he said, what's that? And he said, 
there's no plane that's going down that I'm on. And he looked at me, and I said, so that's my knowing. So we can go with your idea, or we can go with mine. <laughs> but either way, this plane's taken off. And so we had this wonderful discussion, because what was my opportunity is to bring just a different consciousness and conversation to it. That uh, I, and we were laughing and chuckling about it, and, and uh, by the time we got off the plane, I, we, we were close friends. So, but what I want to talk about is this very idea of, of what happens in the world. And I want to drill down a little bit. Once again, I want to look at the Science of Mind textbook because it's so, such a rich thing. And it's so simple. And sometimes I just assume everyone understands it because I've got it, you know. And, and, uh, but I, I went back in and I was looking at chapter 11 in the Science of Mind text. And it's entitled Mental and Spiritual Treatment which is really affirmative prayer. So when you hear me do a, a prayer here, our practitioners, we, we, we teach this form of prayer. And why do we spend so much time and energy in teaching that? Dr. Uh, Michael Beckwith, he's the founder of Agape in uh, Los Angeles. It's a huge, thriving community, and he's really one of our global ambassadors for what we teach. Um, but he says this, affirmative prayer is basically acknowledging that what you are praying for and about is already occurring. It's already occurring. And so he says, you are affirming that it's already happening. The idea that whatever we want, that we hope and desire is already within us. Affirmative prayer is actually lifting your vibration to one of acceptance and feeling. That it is already occurring at some level and to being accepting of it as it's moving through us. Do you see, I mean, what a, what a beautiful, refreshing way to look at prayer. And so what Dr. Holmes, so today I want to talk about just three simple ideas. Dr. Holmes in this chapter talks about what it is the purpose of it, and the practice, or he calls it the way. And there are three beautiful, beautiful ideas. So, and so you'll hear me refer to spiritual mental treatment, which was really a great way to say it back in 1926 when he wrote the textbook, as affirmative prayer, which I think is a, a, a cleaner, a less confusing designator. But it's scientific in the fact that it, it responds to what we give it. So Dr. Holmes said that it is the, in the, begins the chapter, chapter 11, by saying, it is the nature of the creative power to take form. It is the nature of the infinite to take form. And it is the nature of mankind to use it. It is the use of our minds in a calm, expectant manner and with a deep inner conviction of reality, without any fear or any sense that the human mind must make it effective. The work is effective because the law is always operating. So let me talk about the law real quick, because that can be confusing. We're using the law all the time. If we were farmers and we were planting a crop, say we were planting pumpkins in this season of harvest, and the pumpkin and the orange and the orange that you see on my shawl, we would plant, we would not doubt, if we had pumpkin seeds, we would plant pumpkin seeds. And we wouldn't doubt it. We would plant them, we would care for them, we'd water them, and hopefully we would get a, a robust crop. Because we would tend it. And of course, some of it is how we tend it. But, but we wouldn't sit around and say, wow, I, I hope my apple trees pop up one day. It would, be, it would be completely impossible because we have planted a particular seed in the soil of possibility. And so we don't worry, we don't sweat, we don't fret, we do our part to nurture the soil. So Dr. Holmes called it the law, that what we give this infinite presence that we are immersed in, whatever seed we give it, it simply agrees to grow more of it. So if our way of life is one of anxiety, that we're hanging onto the back of the chair in front of us as we get on the airplane, 
the infinite presence says, I support you and love you. And if, if, if terror and anxiety and fear is what you're calling for, I can do nothing but say yes to that. See, that is the way this benevolent intelligence works. And so it's a really uncomfortable way to ride for two and a half hours, I'm telling you. Because he kept arguing for that along the way and, and supporting the evidence and giving me, you got, he gave me a list of websites to check out what's going on on the planet right now. You know that we are floating on this huge magma that is ready to explode at any moment? Well, and it's probably true, there's something happening there, but you know, I'm going to do the best I can with living the best. Ernest Holmes said we must live the life that we have right now. And so I get to choose do I want to continue to join him or to perhaps look at something more interesting. But those are, so that's the law. The law, it's just this principle of life that always says yes to who we are. So simple and yet can be so challenging at times. But we can't, we can't avoid it. It's really what, how this works. So, Dr. Holmes said spiritual treatment. Of, um, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead here. He said he, he suggests this, so he doesn't suggest uh, uh, something to to uh, a technique so much as a way of being, a calm, expected manner. A calm, expected manner is approaching affirmative prayer, to live in the expectancy of reality. And reality is the truth of our being. But a calm, expected manner is the first place to start. If we're not in a calm, expected manner, it becomes we really limit our use of the law and of this principle of impressing upon it. But it isn't an interesting, the first thing he talks about is our way of being. And so if we are struggling and we are uh, in the anxiety as this young man was next to me, that I, I simply refuse to join him. Everything he was saying could be in fact true. But I wasn't going to join him for one second. And, and, and so that was my choice. That was my dominion. Not because I'm better than him, but just I realized that to join him is just going to create a, a way of life and a way of being for me that I don't, I'm not comfortable living in. So this calm, expectant manner in the expectancy, in the consciousness of the expectancy of that, that the reality, the truth of our being, is the first place to start. It's why most spiritual traditions emphasize uh, meditation, contemplation, silence. Many of us have gone on retreats where we begin with silence. It's so that we can calm the mind. It's so that we can settle. So Dr. Holmes knew this, a calm, expectant manner. And a conscious awareness of the expectancy of reality. Because in the next step, he talks about that reality. Affirmative prayer is basically acknowledging that wh what you are praying for and about is already occurring. As Dr. Beckwith says, you are affirming that it is already happening. The idea that whatever we want, hope, or desire for is already alive within us. Dr. Holmes would say we wouldn't even have the idea if it didn't already exist in the, the spiritual prototype. And then over time, in nurturing and developing the consciousness of the thing, we have a much better chance of giving birth, being the midwife of that. And because it takes time, because it takes spiritual coin, it can be frustrating. Because most of us want our prayers answered now. And yet it is really in, in developing the consciousness of that experience that we long to have, that, where the gift is. So the second piece is the purpose. So Dr. Holmes write this, writes this about the purpose. Spiritual treatment should bring into actual manifestation the health, the happiness, which are humanity's normal and divine heritage. 
So what he's saying is that we're not broken. We're not born in original sin. We're not here to be punished. Our divine inheritance to awaken to from that calm, expectant uh, mind in the, ex- in the conscious expectancy of reality, that reality is happiness and health and abundance that, that we used in our greeting today. That is our divine inheritance. This healing power is the consciousness of the unity of all life and the spiritual nature of all beings. So I got to sit down next to this guy that was holding on to the back of the, the, the airplane. I said, here's the spiritual being. That's got some ideas that I don't think are serving anyone well. And I didn't say it from judgment. Dr. Holmes said, a, a mature spiritual practitioner judges no one, blames no one, condemns no one. Because that spiritual presence and practitioner understands all of us want the same thing. And it does no good for me to heap judgment on someone. How can I, be, how can I add something of value? How can I be a presence of love here? And I knew that I could do that through conversation and through humor and, and through collaboration in a new way to shift the energy of the relationship. So, let me continue with Dr. Holmes beginning of the second part, the purpose. We're talking about the purpose now. First, we talked about what it is. And what it is is that calm, expectant uh, mindset of welcome, of expectancy of the greater reality. The purpose is to identify and to to awaken our divine nature, which is health, happiness, abundance, and all the qualities that Holmes writes about. And I'm going to share more at the end with you. But he says the healing power is the consciousness of unity of all life and the spiritual nature of all beings. We're all connected. Your good is my good. My good is yours. They are ours now. He says the healing process in this is the consciousness that health is already yours, abundance has always been ours, and happiness and peace have always been ours. They are always ours. They've never been denied. They are ours now, for they are the very essence and truth of our being. All there is of evil, of whatever name or kind, is an inversion of eternal good. It's just using the law backwards because we've been given dominion God's you know Dr. Holmes said for God to give us dominion and freedom and then to bind us in some way is is a complete hypocrisy we have this freedom and you know last week we talked about uh, Dr. Holmes early influences his curiosity they called his brothers called him the human question mark and his his nurturing and there's nothing to fear and also this idea that an awareness that 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 sources life, this perfect life, this love, truth, beauty, is my life. See, we don't have to use the G word, but love, truth, beauty is really what God is, or goddess is. But Holmes really went out of his way to give us designators for that principle and for that energetic without trying to bias us with male or female. The back of the textbook is full of them. So, Dr. Holmes is saying, we're hardwired. We are hardwired to, for happiness and health and wholeness. Why not wake up to it? Why, and that's our journey. Because so many of us didn't get that. We got domesticated in ways that our parents give us everything they could. We got domesticated by teachers and coaches and, and, and classmates and brothers and sisters. And so much of that was about struggle and, and challenge and overcoming obstacles and, and unraveling those, 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 earth, uh, those early uh, influences that we have in our life. We all have that. We've all had those things. And so not to condemn it and not to throw it all away, but to realize, wow, they gave me everything they had. But there's more to have. There's more to know. And and the material world is not trying to punish us. 
It's a feedback loop. How am I doing? Well, I'm struggling. Where are you struggling? Well, I'm struggling in this area. Well, wow. What's there for you to know about that and to grow in that? You know, and, and, and to have that awareness, even ask that question. The Buddha said life is suffering. Everybody, a lot of people know that. The Buddha said life is suffering. But he never said that your life will be endless suffering. He just said, hey, life can be suffering, you guys, and there's a way to do this. There's a way to move through this in a way where we understand what suffering is about or this, this experience that we may identify as suffering. Because life is also joy and happiness and opportunity and abundance. You know, but we see people that have made an entire life theme their whole identification of suffering. Part of this journey with the, the teaching is to, to dissolve that, that uh, identification. It's our opportunity. It's really our privilege. And Dr. Holmes called it, so the Buddha said life is suffering. Dr. Holmes called it divine discontent. One of my favorite terms that, that just opened my heart to possibility. Divine discontent. It is there for us because if we're discontent with a condition in our lives, we get to go to work on shifting it and changing it. This is our laboratory. I get to look at this. We're, if we're not experiencing health and happiness and abundance, it's not because there's an arbitrary and capricious God saying, you know what? I'm going to mess up your life for a while. Ah, there's six months of misery for you. God is not a personality. It's a principle. It is a law that always responds to the nature of our consciousness. It doesn't sit up there and pick on you or pick on me. If anything is being withheld in our lives, we are the ones withholding it. If, if you're devoid of love in your life, there's only one place to look. You know, that's the good news and the bad news. Because what this guy didn't know that I sat next to on the plane yesterday is when we weren't talking, I was praying for him. <laughs> I don't believe in any accidents, but I was holding the high watch for us. And by the time we got to Edmonton, oh, and what a story. I told Laura, this, guy, this guy's a mini-series. Wait I've got to write this stuff down. It was, it was incredible. I knew something was up when he sat down and wouldn't let go of the back of that chair. I said, you know the story I'm making up? I'm on my own semi-private jet along with 320 other people. Because I live in abundance. I, and I don't need to own the jet. I just need to use it. And I got to use it. So this withholding is us withholding. That can be, and that's, that can be tough teaching for some. Especially when you're really spinning in the conditions that are creating some suffering for you. But there's a way out. It's a way, and it's come for us. The third idea that I want to look at today is, is, the, is the practicing, the practice or the way. Dr. Holmes calls it the way. So we've already looked at this expectant, calm mind with the sense of reality in the first step, what it is, the, and, and the purpose is to, the, to identify with those qualities that come awake in our lives. And now it's the way. And Dr. Holmes says this, the third idea to examine is in, in treatment, in sp spiritual mind treatment, we turn entirely away from the condition. We turn away from the condition. And what he says about this is that as long as we look at it, we cannot overcome it. By thinking upon a condition, we tend to animate it with the life of our thought, and thereby it is perpetuated and magnified. So we stay stuck in the struggle, we stay stuck in the lack, we stay stuck in the, whatever it may be, and we continue to look at it and look at it and look at it without bringing a different awareness to it, without saying, you know what, I'm going to try something new here. Rather than fight against it, I'm going to bring a calm mind of expectancy, the consciousness of expectancy of reality. 
that this has come into my life for a reason, that I'm going to grow a larger crop. I'm going to plant happiness and health and abundance in my life. And I don't need to know how it's going to happen. I just need to keep watering the seeds. So we water the seeds through our, our spiritual discipline to say, no, 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 I'm not growing that anymore. Every time I start to go down that old path that created the crop of discontent, I say, no, I stop. You know what? I'm going to call my prayer partner. I'm going to call my practitioner. I'm going to call my minister. I'm going to read that book that inspires me and pulls me out of that spin. Whatever it is, we have never had so many resources available to us on this planet. It's so, such a blessing. So in treatment, we turn entirely away from the condition because as long as we look at it, we cannot overcome it. By thinking upon a condition, we tend to animate it with the life of our thought and thereby it is perpetuated and magnified. Spiritual mind treatment is a science of inducing in mind concepts, concepts, acceptances, and realizations of this, of peace, poise, power, plenty, health, happiness, and success. It's right there in chapter 11. If you aren't science of mind thumping, you know, we don't Bible thump here, we science of mind textbook thump here. Or as he says, whatever the particular need may be. And so that is the, is the practice, to turn away from the condition and say, I'm not for that anymore, I'm for this. It is probably going to take more than one prayer. It's probably going to think, you're probably going to walk along one day and say, man, I don't do that anymore, and all of a sudden you'll do it again. And for many people, they go, oh, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm no good at this. You know, I got to go back and, and, and I got to get down to a Senate book and have my astrological chart done one more time and I'll get my tarot cards read and I'll, I'll move into all that stuff and, and, and all of a sudden we give our power away again. And, it's, and I'm not critical. If you're, you do that stuff for a good for you. I hope you're a good practitioner of it because it's all one mind, the mind of God, if that's your modality. But I'm just saying, wherever we are abdicating responsibility for our consciousness, we're missing the mark. He also said sometimes, because you'll hear me say this, sometimes we have to look at a thing long enough until it no longer has power over us. So if you have a condition that you're really struggling with, I would say don't do it on your own. Find a prayer partner, find a practitioner, find someone that has a consciousness that can help move you into the, and accelerate your growth. I do it all the time. I do it all the time because I don't want to fool around too long with something. If I'm really struggling with somebody, I have wonderful mentors. I reach out. I need your help. I, need, I want to borrow your consciousness in this. In, 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 Dr. in the chapter 11, Dr. Holmes writes this. He says, it does not matter so much what one says. It doesn't matter what you say. He says, it is what one believes when he says what he says that counts. I could, you could come to me and ask me for prayer support. And, and see, the only place a practitioner works is in their own consciousness. And I could say, the prayer, we could sit down and I, I could say, there's one life and one, God, and one principle and truth, beauty, love, and supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. And so it is. And have a great day. It is a consciousness upon the words. It is the consciousness upon the words. And of course I'm going to use words that help build a greater knowing within my, my consciousness. But I'm not casting a spell. I'm not hypnotizing you. Because there's one mind, I'm knowing it in my own consciousness. You know, many times I'll pray with people and then I'll, they'll go right back into the story. And I'll say, stop, 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 stop. Now I've got to go back in and do the prayer again because you're starting to convince me again. You're not there to convince me of the difficulty and obstacle. I'm there to help dissolve the obstacle with you. So stop fighting for the limitation. Let's just let God work in this. Let's let the presence in the infinite. We are not alone in this. That's a beautiful thing. We make it so hard sometimes. Don't have to. 
The Bible does not tell us. He also says this in this chapter. It's wonderful. The Bible doesn't tell us how to give a treatment. It's not there. But what it does in Scripture, if you study it closely, it is over and over and over again about the law of cause and effect. A wonderful story about Jesus and the centurion that I'm going to, because I know you all have it memorized, but I'm going to pull it up for you. But the centurion story is, is in, that there was a centurion in the village that Jesus traveled to. And it was interesting because the Jewish elders came to him and they said, Jesus, this man is very concerned about his servant. His servant is very sick. And what we want to do is we want to ask you, we've heard so many amazing things about you, to help with the servant, to, that this centurion has sent word that you might be able to help. And Jesus had just taught about loving your enemies. This is in Luke and Matthew, both, both Gospels. He just talked about loving your enemies. And so he thought, wow, what a, I'm sure he did. He thought, what, a, what an opportunity. There's no mistake. So Jesus said, <clears throat> looked at it and, and realized this might be a wonderful opportunity to, to provide uh, an instruction around loving one's enemies. So they came to him, and I've, I've got, I'll read some of the script here, a bit of it. He says, the Jewish elder said, this man is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation. He loves the Jewish nation, even though he's a Roman. And he is the one who built our synagogue. I mean, this is a great man that actually helped restore our, our, our place of worship. So, you know, the, the, the designators are different here now. Because we're, we're in a relationship of love with this man. It, it was very unusual for a Roman to be fond of Jews at this time. And so this, the word was sent through the elders to Jesus. It said, Lord, do not trouble yourself. For I, the centurion in his message to Jesus, said, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. And therefore, I did not presume to come to you. So he never met this man. He said, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I am a man set under authority. My, with soldiers under me, and I say to them, go, and they go. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Jesus' expression turned thoughtful as the story goes. He pondered the words, I am not worthy to come under my, you are not worthy to come under my roof, or I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. And two, I am a man under authority with soldiers under me. This man was a Roman soldier, a representative of Israel's enemy, and yet he understood what even these Jewish elders that were asking the request didn't understand. It was a marvel for Jesus. He looked back at his friends in the narrative within the Gospels and then to the elders, and then he turned and scanned his eyes of his disciples and the small crowd of people who had followed him down the mountain from where he just teach love thy enemy. And he said loud enough for everyone to hear, I tell you, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Not even in Israel have I found such faith. Which reinforces what Dr. Holmes says, it doesn't matter what the words are, it is what we are believing. And this man believed. So what he did is he spoke of authority. See, Jesus was very thoughtful in what he shared. But he points to authority as he, in this narrative. And, and he realized, and authority is not oppressing us. There's just a higher authority. There's a higher vibration. And when we turn there, something more interesting and powerful and wonderful has an opportunity to show up. See, the centurion appeared already in belief of a greater possibility. There was no doubt he turned away from the condition of the sickness of his, of his servant that he loved dearly, obviously, to go to this length. He was a man of love because he could love the Jews to have their temple. He loved his servants. He looked away from the condition, the centurion did, and placed his focus on something greater than the appearance and form. The idea of Jesus gave him a new focus. Wow, that's what Jesus represented. A new focus he turned away and focused on a, a different consciousness, the Christed consciousness. 
He understood the power of authority. He loved his servant. He looked his way from the conditions to invite a new vibrational frequency, a new faith. Something or someone had empowered his faith, his focus. He looked away from the condition and believed in healing. Jesus used to say, it is done unto you as you believe. And he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Our greatest challenge in, this, in our teaching is to be able to turn away consistently from the conditions and turn to a higher authority. Our higher authority is the one life, the one power that Dr. Holmes so beautifully wrote about. And when we are established, see, Jesus knew it wasn't him with the miracle. The centurion had already done the work in consciousness. All he did was agree. When you come forward and you ask for affirmative prayer within our community, and we are honored and blessed that you do that because it is a gift to us as well because we all get lifted up. But see, what's alive in you, what gets activated in you, is what creates the shift. All that the practitioner is doing is recognizing the divinity in you and agreeing with you with the greater idea, which impresses upon this infinite law that always says yes, the new possibility. And honor that. There's nothing more to do but honor it. And what becomes before you to do, you will know because you keep dipping back into that calm mind of expectancy and understanding, reminding ourselves the reality of our being, which is health and happiness. I mean, the beautiful teachings of Jesus that are so impactful and, and impressed upon Ernest Holmes inspired him through his curiosity and inquiry. He looked at the healings of Jesus and, and realized this is possible for all of us. And so he gave us a pathway. He threw us a rope that said, climb up this rope. Practice this. And so anyone that uses affirmative prayer is a practitioner. That's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Dr. Holmes writes this. Affirmative prayer opens up avenues of thought, expands the consciousness, and lets reality through. That is the higher authority. But we don't do it by forcing it and coercing it and punishing ourselves. That's just more distraction. It clarifies the mentality. It removes the obstruction of thought and lets in light. It removes doubt and fear. There's nothing to fear. It was nurtured in that. In the realization of the presence of spirit is necessary when we're confronted by obstructions and obstacles. We need to go there sometimes. Sometimes we've got to go to work. Because sometimes life becomes overwhelming and the muchness of it can spin us right into something that we, that we go back into our domestication as children. That life is to be feared and we have, we're being punished by an arbitrary and capricious God. If that's the father and mother that we had growing up. Because that's who our gods were when we were children. Dr. Michael Bethwick says, I define affirmative prayer as embracing reality without trying to get anything from it. Isn't that Interesting. I always talk about declaration. Embracing reality without trying to get anything from it. I'm embracing the oneness of life right here and right now. And I got everything I need. Because that which we affirm, that which we appreciate, appreciates. I'm so blessed this day by the, the muchness of life and the opportunity. Affirmative prayer, as Dr. Hol uh, Dr. Beckwith says, is a way to come to in tune with what is and to become receptive to what you, you are expressing and what is expressing through you. So I want to just take a moment. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. Let's dip in. Let's practice this right now together. Let's, let's capture the, 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 the quantum field of love right here and right now. It's going to be a bit short but powerful. We're going to drop in. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. Just notice your breath. And allow that breath to take you into that calm, 
mind of conscious expectancy. You see, chaos and confusion cannot follow the breath. Chaos and confusion cannot follow the breath. It is impossible. So as you breathe mindfully, let any of the chaos and confusion melt, dissolve, move away. And let's identify with that reality of your divine birthright, my divine birthright. One of peace, poise, power, plenty. I am peace, silently say to yourself. I am poise. I am power. I am plenty. I am health. I am happiness and success. Each time I breathe, I calm my mind. I move and welcome with that expectancy of the divine reality. I live in conscious expectancy of reality. Love's presence is eminent. I breathe in. I calm my mind. I connect with reality. I deepen. I strengthen in my capacity, my willingness and awareness to turn away from any and every unwanted condition. For God's life is my life. I am not a mistake. I am here by divine right appointment. And as I dip down deep and live from that calm expectancy and in close proximity, Charles Fillmore used to say repeatedly, the presence of God is eminent. The presence of God is eminent. It is here now. And so there's a richness here and a vibrancy when we come together in this practice that changes everything. That the left and the right side of the brain are communicating beautifully in this calm, expectant mind. And that is where the new tracks get laid down in our brain of possibility. Peace, poise, power. Happiness, health, abundance. You are a, a beacon of light one of God's darlings and you forget sometimes but we come together to remind ourselves of the truth of our being because it's so easy to fall asleep in the world and our opportunity is is to wake up more and more often so I know the presence of Dr. Holmes is with us today the power and the potency that we take this moment this practice deeper into our being and apply it more deeply and powerfully in our lives. For this I give thanks. Together we say, and so it is.